how do we find the root cause of an autoimmune condition? One example is considered here where it all comes down to energy metabolism. This is a clip from a live Q&A session open to CMJ Masterpass members. In addition to this episode, you can access lots of other free samples from these sessions at the first link in the description. The second and last runner-up is from RB, and my summary is, how do we find the root cause of an autoimmune condition? One example considered. And the full question from RB is as follows. Hi, Chris. I'm seeking your thoughts on elevated blood markers for autoimmune disease concurrent with gut issues. How do you think the interaction of autoimmunity, gut issues, and nutritional issues, how do you think about them? More info below. Uh, now, I want to step in to say what we have to add here is energy metabolism, and, and RB will bring that up in the question. But energy metabolism governs everything at the level of the second law of thermodynamics. Um, you cannot eat the law of thermodynamics, and you cannot participate more or less in it. And so the second law of thermodynamics is not actionable directly, but it is. It is the guiding principle of every single chemical reaction in existence. It is always, why does any chemical reaction occur? It, the answer is always because that direction of that chemical reaction in that instant satisfied the second law of thermodynamics. This goes back to Chem 101. And so what does the second law of thermodynamics say? It says that in a closed system, in the absence of an input of energy, that system will tend toward greater entropy over time. What is life? The opposite of entropy. Entropy is random mixing of things. Life is the concentration and separation of things and the drawing of things to extremes, right? Good sleep and high VO2 max are polar opposites from them. When you are in a high energy state, you are highly ordered because you can fully separate this, the, um, the state of being well asleep and the state of being at max capacity. A low energy state is not characterized by sleeping a lot, and it is not characterized by laying around and relaxing. A low energy state is characterized, according to the second law of thermodynamics, by random mixing. What does that mean? It means you can't differentiate between sleeping and operating at VO2 max. What does that mean? It means you are wired and tired, right? You're tired, you're fatigued, but you can't fall asleep. You are putting all your energy in every direction, so therefore you can put energy decisively in no direction. Now, think about what does this mean for the immune system? It means that the highly ordered state is for the immune system to clean up what should be cleaned up, to attack what should be attacked, to protect what should be protected, and to leave alone that which should be leave left alone. That is, according to the second law, of, I mean, that is a highly ordered state, according to basic definition. According to the second law of thermodynamics, a highly ordered state is a high energy state. A low energy state is random mixing together of the things that should be attacked, the things that should be protected, the things that should be cleaned up, and the things that should be left alone. So autoimmunity, I don't believe is confusion. 
It is random mixing of things that ought not to be mixed together. It is in compliance with the second law of thermodynamics, what must happen to satisfy the laws of physics in a low energy state. So therefore, energy metabolism governs everything. And to the extent there is any problem in energy metabolism, energy metabolism is always the most root cause solution, the highest priority, and what is most actionable to impact everything else. Always, except in the context of an emergency. So for example, if you have a screwdriver stuck in your eye, then the immediate thing that must be done in the ER is not fix your energy metabolism. It's get the screwdriver out of your eye as safely and as painlessly as possible. But energy metabolism will limit your capacity to heal with healthy tissue instead of scar tissue. And it will have already limited your neuromuscular reaction that prevents you from getting a screwdriver stuck in your eye in the first place, right? So even in a case like that, energy metabolism is still what must be addressed to the extent there is anything wrong with it. Okay. So RB goes on to say, on multiple blood tests, I showed positive anti-nuclear antibodies or ANAAB with speckled pattern ranging from 1 to 80 or 1 to 160, which is considered high above the reference range of 1 to 40. I would just step in here to say that I would never trust this without a second consecutive measurement showing the same or an increase of the trend. Um, so for example, my ANA went positive briefly after my second case of COVID, and then it just dissipated on its own. Um, and as someone pointed out to me, you know, well, did you do those tests after... They said, now do those tests each time you get a cold. And I thought, good point. Probably my ANA goes up in any inflammatory event and then goes down, then goes back down again. RB continues. I also showed elevated IgG4, 112 and 116, where the reference range is below 96 milligrams per deciliter, which is another sign of autoimmune disease. My naturopath gut doctor suspected possible autoimmune pancreatitis because I had elevated ANA. IgG4, and also have shown multiple tests in the last year of exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, EPI, with numbers for pancreatic elastase in the 100 range, where normal is greater than 200, although in previous years, my pancreatic elastase numbers were normal. We eliminated the possibility of pancreatic cancer because I tested normal for the blood marker CA199. On an abdominal ultrasound, the radiologist got a good view of my pancreas and didn't see any structural issues with my pancreas or other organs to so dismiss pancreatitis as the cause. The treatment for autoimmune pancreatitis is corticosteroids. Okay, so I want to jump in here again and say I've been re-watching House MD. And one of the most common um, motifs in House MD is they say maybe it's an autoimmune condition. And then someone says, but then that means that we have to test for all 180 autoimmune conditions. And then House says, no, we don't. The treatment for autoimmune is steroids. <laughs> and so my perspective is the, the fact that the, the, the treatment for any autoimmune is, is steroids or generally is steroids is, I think, reflective of the fact that no one knows what causes autoimmune disease and there is no coherent 
understanding of pathogenesis that informs the medical treatment. It's just, oh, there's too much inflammation. Let's throw something that counteracts inflammation at it. I'm not saying there's not a bunch of science on this, but that's, that's not a coherent root cause addressing of autoimmunity. That's a ob- observance of the epiphenomenon of whatever the underlying causation is and a, just a throwing a generic thing that will get rid of that epiphenomenon until there's a relapse. <laughs> okay, so RB goes on to say, the treatment for autoimmune pancreatitis is corticosteroids. I regularly take turmeric and mushroom extracts, but I think I also feel a boost in energy and well-being when I add stronger doses of more bioavailable forms of the herbal anti-inflammatories like curcumin, uh, brand name Theracumin. Excuse me. How can I tell what is the root of my issue and try to solve it? I've read that pancreatitis and SIBO gut issues can cause or exacerbate each other, so I feel a bit lost to figure out the root cause problem to address. I know nutritional problems can also cause gut problems like you've said in the past and still have some signs of both low and excess vitamin A when taking vitamin A over 13,000 IU per day and high-dose zinc over 80 milligrams per day. I'm concurrently waiting for tests for your hypothesis of low NAD plus to NADH ratio causing poor vitamin A activation. I don't want to do an invasive test like a biopsy or endoscopy if possible and like to stay away from prescription drugs. I prefer natural root cause treatments as much as possible. How should I approach understanding the problem and addressing it since it seems multidimensional? What do I consecutively versus concurrently? What do I do consecutively versus concurrently if I'm trying to optimize for both for understanding and health resolution? Okay, this goes back to what I said at the beginning, which is energy metabolism governs governs everything. And if you have an energy metabolism issue, it is always the most root cause issue. And that's not to say that there are never things where you need to do palliative therapy or emergency treatment before you're able to solve energy metabolism. It means that in the presence of energy metabolism, um, you know, let's say you have 30% autoimmunity, 30% energy metabolism. Which one do you fix? The 30% energy metabolism. Now, there could be cases where you have a 2% defect in energy metabolism and you have a 90% defect in something that is needed to regulate the immune system, in which case, sure. Um, If the 90% block is actionable, that probably takes precedence over the 2% impairment in energy metabolism. But generally speaking, if you have a 20% energy impairment in energy metabolism, it's probably more important than a 50% block in something that's specifically immune-regulated because when you don't have energy, you still have to comply with the laws of physics, and so you are still under obligation to the second law of thermodynamics, which means you are still required to mix immunity against pathogens with immunity against yourself because the second law of thermodynamics states as a physical law that in a low energy state, everything must mix. Um, so that, you know, the, the short answer is energy metabolism. If it's a, if a problem is present, it takes precedence over everything. Okay. Now, first of all, what do I think causes autoimmunity? I've outlined my uh, view on autoimmunity in several places. I'll put the link in the links in the show notes. So one is a new paradigm of severe COVID 
One is the course nutrition and immunity. Uh, I've also outlined my ideas in the COVID guide and the guide for healing from COVID vaccine side effects. And to summarize, the among the principal reasons for dysregulation of the immune system are a lack of vitamins A and D. Abundant supply of vitamins A and D lead to the appropriate rhythmic rise and fall of myeloid-derived suppressor cells or MDSCs during an infection. And my hypothesis is that any disturbance in this rhythm is the primary cause of post-infection autoimmunity. So, you know, that's not a problem in energy metabolism. You have to have enough vitamin A and you have to have enough vitamin D because they're essential nutrients. You can just be straight up deficient in one or the other or both. So I'm not saying everything is about energy metabolism. But as we'll see shortly, energy metabolism limits the activation of vitamins A and D. Okay, so vitamins A and D also synergistically suppress Th17 cells, which are a subset of helper T cells that are involved in autoimmune and allergic responses. And I covered this topic in a blog post on westonaprice.org years ago called New Evidence of Synergy Between Vitamins A and D Protects Against Autoimmune Diseases. So generally speaking, vitamins A and D are powerful protectors against autoimmunity and allergy in general. And in the resting state or in response to a non-infectious stimulus, I think the suppression of Th17 cells is very relevant. In post-infectious autoimmunity, I believe that the most relevant thing is contributing to the natural rhythmic rise and fall of myeloid-derived suppressor cells uh, up and down in the early and then in the very early and then up and then, and then in the you know first day or two of infection then going down i believe that rhythmic rise and fall of mdscs is a critical defense against post infectious autoimmunity i the best place i've outlined that is in the new paradigm of severe covid and in the course nutrition and immunity um now in your case rb we have, over the course of time, looked at vitamin A deficiency, then brought vitamin A up and said, why does vitamin A help vitamin A deficiency symptoms, but why does it get up to the upper end of the normal range and not help enough? And why does even more seem to be needed? And one hypothesis was zinc is low, and then... One problem was, why is zinc so hard to get up? And then a second issue was, why does zinc getting up not fix the problem? And why does zinc toxicity symptoms start kicking in to the point where it's an uphill battle to get A and, um, a and zinc up? Zinc does seem to help the A do its thing, but the... but you can't get A high enough to get rid of the deficiency symptoms before toxicity symptoms start coming kicking in. And you can't get zinc up enough to help normalize the activation without toxicity symptoms kicking in. And in the last AMA, I said, well, maybe it's niacin deficiency. And RB said, definitely not that. And so the only thing left that makes any sense is a respiratory chain disorder because respiratory chain disorder will hurt the oxidation of NADH to form NAD plus, which will and NAD plus is needed to activate vitamin A with acetaldehyde dehydrogenase. 
And so if you don't have NAD+, but you have plenty of niacin, it's because you're not oxidizing the NADH in the respiratory chain. That will also hurt the synthesis of ATP. Okay, so RB also has a genetic variant that impairs acetaldehyde dehydrogenase. So what's going on here? Well, your energy metabolism-related deficits are what determine whether things go wrong or right and how right they go or how wrong they go. All your other genetics and all your other nutrients and all your other environmental factors funnel which thing goes wrong or which thing goes right, okay? So the genetic impairment in acetaldehyde dehydrogenase deficiency says that what will go wrong when things do go wrong is alcohol tolerance and vitamin A activation. Now, the low ATP hurts the absorption and distribution of minerals across the board, including zinc. Acetaldehyde dehydrogenase is zinc dependent. So less ATP means less zinc. Less zinc means over and above the genetic impairment, even less acetaldehyde dehydrogenase deficiency. But the fact that the ATP deficit is caused by the respiratory gene disorder means NADH is not oxidized to NAD+, which means you have a third hit against vitamin A activation and alcohol tolerance. So it's an uphill battle to fix any of these if you don't fix the respiratory chain. Why does that drive autoimmunity? Because retinoic acid prevents autoimmunity. And so if your genetics funnel your impairment in energy metabolism into low retinoic acid, then autoimmunity is just one of the epiphenomena along with all the vitamin A deficiency. It's just one of the vitamin A deficiency symptoms that RB suffers from. Now, we haven't proven the respiratory chain disorder, but again, it's the only thing that makes everything make sense. And so the root cause in that case would be energy metabolism because when energy metabolism problems are present, they are the root cause and they are the first actionable step with no exceptions unless the differential between the epiphenomenon and the energy metabolism problem is extreme. So for example, like I said before, 90% impairment in one enzyme that regulates the immune system might take precedence over a 2% energy metabolism deficit. You know, unless there's nothing to do about that enzyme, then it doesn't matter. You know, but if that's an actionable step, then yeah, 98 to 2 differential probably makes that more important. But most of the time, if you don't have an extreme differential like that, and you most of the time you won't, energy metabolism governs everything through the laws of physics and is therefore takes precedence. Um, and so there is no higher priority than figuring out whether there's a respiratory chain problem and exactly what it is, because that then in turn determines all of the to-do steps. Um, and so the, therefore the most important problem is the mitoswab plus test. That's uh, priority number one and everything else is way below it. Thank you, RB, for your question. Hope that helps. It's not a general guide to solving autoimmunity. It's one case example, uh, but I think that's illustrative of, of the principle that applies everywhere else, which is that energy metabolism governs everything. This is a clip from a live Q&A session open to CMJ Masterpass members. In addition to this episode, you can access lots of other free samples from these sessions at the first link in the description. 
If you want to become a MasterPass member so that you can participate in the next live Q&A, or so that you can have access to the complete recording and transcript of each Q&A session, you can join at chrismasterjohnphd.com slash masterpass. You can save 10% off the subscription price for as long as you remain a member by signing up at chrismasterjohnphd.substack.com slash Q&A. That's Q&A spelled out as Q-A-N-D-A. These links are in the description.